0: Hello and welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast, a place where we share stories on how love can transform negative emotions and pain into strength. We talk about all things related to love, positivity, and kindness. And I am your host, Corinne Kamara. Hello and welcome to episode 35 From Emotional Turmoil to Rebel Unicorn. Avalon Starlight is a three-time international best-selling author, wealthy witch, mental health advocate, energy reader, and spiritual badass. Creator of the Rebel Unicorn Movement and the founder of the Chakra Business Academy, Avalon helps spiritual entrepreneurs bust through their energy blocks in their chakras so they can make a bigger impact in the world with their stardust. She's the host of the Rebel Unicorns podcast. She's writing a fourth book called The Wealthy Witch and is empowering women to claim their ancestral inheritance. In today's episode, Avalon shares her story of growing up in a family of mental illness, parenting a son with mental and emotional challenges, coming into her power, and now she empowers women around the world. Let's get into today's episode. Hi, welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast. Today, I have a beautiful guest, Avalon Starlight. Welcome. Thank you. I'm
1: so excited to be here. Yay.
0: I always start out my podcast the same way. And I'd love to know your love lesson. And for those that are listening, a love lesson is a situation in your life that brought you to your knees, a trans—a transformational moment where you really need to infuse a lot of love to shift. And in that transformation, now you serve the world.
1: I have a question. Yes. Yeah. Is there a time limit in answering this question? <laughs> <laughs> no, you can, I mean, usually like five, 10 minutes. That's perfect. I just need, cause I'm like, cause there's so much history yeah Um, in a life lesson right to take this infinite divine soul quest the one that brings you to your knees and try and bring it to a place of synchronous in, in a way that there's one viewer that needs to hear it today and so I hope I honor that person and what they need to hear through this story because I grew up in a home where mental illness was very prominent And it was in everyone I loved. And so I quickly learned that my role was to be the caregiver. Mine was to ensure everybody else's needs were met except mine. And I didn't mind. I mean, that was part of my soul's contract. I understood uh, but there did come a time, like by the time I was 17, I'm like, "Whoa, okay, I'm done. <laughs> I would like this lot, this lot for me. I need to, I need to like get out. Uh, so I struck out on my own, you know, and I was like, I'm going to do this. When I was 18, I went to Brazil for a year on a rotary exchange. And when I came back, my life was completely different. Um, while I was away, you know, my family started to delve a little bit deeper into, you know, drugs and alcohol. And I got off this plane and everything that I had ever experienced had been rocked. I grew up with a lot of conditional love, you know, love that is like, if you do this, then you will show that I love you, which is fine. It just, it really distorted my view. And so when I got home from Brazil, I was like, I'm ready to create a life form of my own, where I can love this being unconditionally and I can create this unconditional love. And I got pregnant when I was 19 and I had my son when I was 20. And by the time he was eight, he had suicide ideation. He has been diagnosed with oppositional defiance disorder, depression and anxiety. So the very thing that I was running from was now directly my responsibility. I birthed it. A little baby that needed me so, so desperately. And so this, you know, going away and redefining myself, I lost that again in order to take on this role of this very special child that required my help. But it was the worst and hardest experience of my life, raising a child who had really severe behavioral issues. I questioned my capacity as a parent daily. I wondered if I could wake up in the morning someday, getting out of bed. By the time Ethan was 15, and I wrote a book about this, My Kid is Driving Me Crazy, A Mom Survival Guide, for living with a child with mental illness, because these stories are so important to be heard. And so everything I'm talking about, Ethan knows about, like we have had a lot of discussion and making it okay to like. We want to help other moms and children have these relationships, but there was a time where things were so bad that you know. I remember walking into my my um, cold cellar in my laundry room when Ethan was sixteen and seeing him with a chair and a cord and thinking, "Oh my God, I can't do this." I was never I was never given the <laughs> the information on how to parent a child who wants to take his own life. And we took Ethan to a very special hospital where I was really like, this is it. He's gonna get the support he needs. And they're like, we'll keep him a couple of days and then we'll send him home. And my husband and I at the time were taking turns staying awake because Ethan was gonna harm himself, harm you know, the house, do something. And we were trying to protect three other children in this experience. And so I remember making a decision as a parent with my therapist, because through this, you got to have some, some support. Right. And, and my therapist was like, you need, you need to know that a child's life begins at different times. Some children's lives begin at 16, some at 18, some at 30. But if you continue enabling your child to take control of your life, he will do this well into your older years. And I was like, oh my God, something has to change. And so I remember driving to the hospital that day, Corinne, this is a very impactful day. And I said to my son, son, you need to seek help. You need to seek help because you want help. Not because I want this help for you or you can't come home. Right. Because we were, all of us were losing ourselves. Like there was constant disharmony in the home and I was not equipped to support him in the way that he needed. And he looked at me with such anger and he said, I will never come home. And at 16, my son chose living on the streets versus coming home to a home that loved him. And it was devastating. And for a year, I tried to even be even more of a helicopter parent. I became more codependent. I would take him places. I would do, I would try and fix the problem that I felt I created. But at the age of 17, he did something I couldn't I couldn't walk away with. I couldn't just like slough, slough it under the rug. And this is his story to tell. So I'm not going to share what he actually did. But I had to be willing to walk away from my son forever and say, you know what? This is toxic. Abuse is abuse no matter where it comes from, whether it's a child, a loved one, a partner, and anybody. And I had to break ties with my own son. And this was my fall of my knees moment. I became so depressed, Corinne. What kind of parent does that to their child, right? I remember curling up into this fetal position. I was a stay at home, like I had my own business as a personal trainer and I would roll out of what I now call my depression chair. I would go into work. I would work with my clients. I mean, I wasn't wearing a bra, no makeup. I could barely function outside of being my trainer self. And I would go back and I'd lay back in the, in the fetal position in my chair. And this was not my natural state. I'm a pretty perky person. I'm like that annoying morning person. And everybody's like, oh my God, she's so happy all the time. And and part of that was a mask. And that was how I survived. And part of that was my true state. And so I didn't love being in, in this sadness or in this pool of misery that I was in. And I can remember vividly saying to myself, what is one thing I can do today just to feel a little bit better than yesterday? And I would hear things. I would hear like... Uh, take a shower because you haven't showered in a few days, or make a therapy appointment, or go for a walk, have a bath. But I would vividly hear this one thing, and I would do that one thing in that day, and I would feel successful. And this became an accumulation. I started to build trust with myself. I didn't know that I was being guided at the time, but I was getting this these messages. And this one day, I said, "Oh, what is one thing I can do today to feel just a little better than yesterday?" And I heard meditate, and I was like. I don't fucking know. Oops, I swear. Is that okay? That's okay. <laughs> I don't know how to meditate. I've never meditated before in my life. And uh, of course you go on Facebook and they somehow have some sort of like listening device in your computer. Cause the next thing I see is like, Oh, meditate with the angels by Carrie Samuels for 30 days. And I was like, that's weird. <laughs> I should probably hit that button. And I did. And I did this this like 30 day meditation where Gary Samuel's voice would come on and I'd pass out. I'd fall asleep every fucking day. And then I'd wake up when the meditation was done, but I would feel just this little bit better. And it had to have been significant enough because my family called it meta-napping because they knew that and they would be like, Hey mom, did you meta-nap today? Because <laughs> Because I must've been shifting. They must've been, I must've been coming back. But the work of my life up until that point was so intense that I believe I slept through those meditations because my conscious mind couldn't take what I was discovering or unearthing or being willing to look at. So my subconscious was doing the work for me in those moments. And eventually I started, I continued meditating after that space and um, I realized that I was hearing messages in these meditations. And when I realized I was hearing meditation at like, voices and and connections with loved ones and with angels in my meditations I realized oh wait a minute this is for real and then I started to hear them outside of meditation and then I made an appointment with my therapist because I thought maybe by chance I was going crazy because I was hearing these voices that told me really wonderful things (laughs) and so I made a therapist appointment and my therapist was like this is a therapist I've been seeing for like 15 years she's like now's the time I'm like I don't know what that means now's the time for what she's like now's the time for you to join A Course in Miracles.
0: Oh, wow. She said that.
1: Her exact words. I know. And then that moment, the woman who had been with me, she knew this whole time, became my mentor. And she began to help me actually unlock and unearth my spiritual gifts to be in support of bringing my message out into the world. So it was a really beautiful kind of story because we don't often get those types of people in our lives, right? And... In the west nobody goes oh you're hearing voices that's great you should you should come in i will guide you they go you're hearing voices oh my god something's wrong with you go to the doctors right hospital so i was very blessed i was very lucky at that point in my journey to have the perfect woman step in to be like oh no 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 we got this (laughs) i'm glad you're hearing these i knew they would come but (laughs) it took a little longer than i thought it would and now we can actually support you
0: so that So that situation with your son essentially brought you to your spiritual gifts because you really had, you had to go through so much darkness in those moments. Sure did. And now, so when you transitioned into working with your spiritual gift, how did that shift your relationship with your family and your work? Like what did you decide to do with all of that?
1: So it's, it's an interesting story because I remember 2016 I came out of the spiritual closet. So my son and I didn't talk for six months, right. But we had to both be willing to break a pattern that was so ingrained into us that it just kept repeating itself. And the only way that we can stop a pattern from repeating is being willing to like kink it to to put something in there that blows that pattern up in a way. And so I In 2016, I was gifted um, tickets to go to something called an archangel event. I called them my fairy godmothers. They bought these tickets for me. And I sat in the audience and I cried ugly tears and I felt myself releasing the shame that I'd been feeling. And on the stage that day was a woman who supports people in writing books. And it would take a few months after that until I decided to sign up in this program and write the book that I described to you, which is to help moms who have children who are also going through what I had been, that I had gone through, rediscover who they were because we, we lose ourselves in the process of becoming a mom or a caregiver. And sometimes we lose our identities fully and we forget, you know, what our soul mission is, what we came to this earth for. And there was a day, um, After the first breakup when Ethan was 16 and I remember walking into my living room and going, "Uh uh-oh, um, I don't actually know what I want to do with my life because I'd been taking care of my family of origin and then taking care of my son. And then all of a sudden I had an open road in front of me and that was actually caused more anxiety than anything else up in, like I could handle all that, (laughs) the mental illness stuff because I knew, I knew what to do there. I was like, I got all the pieces. But discovering who I was, figuring out who I was, that that was a whole new ball of wax. And so it was because of what I went through, because I had to rediscover who I was so that I could step out of the chaos and create a life and a business that aligned with me, I became the author to support those. Now, there's a part of the story that is, is as you know, sometimes when you're um, awakening and raising your vibration not everybody understands 100%. so you say, when you say how did it affect people in your life because I I have a lot of low density low, low vibrational humans um, in my family of origin they didn't understand they didn't understand and I got a lot of shame and a lot of uh, guilt for wanting to support the community that I knew deep down in my heart I was here on this earth to support. And so we've had a lot of struggle, actually, my my family of origin over the last few years as I have learned the art of boundaries, um, you know, making healthy decisions about, you know, really aligning myself with God and Goddess to be able to support and to stand in my mission. And I mean, the relationships that are thriving are the ones that are with my community, my soul clients, my children, my birth children, because uh, I have two that I birthed and two stepchildren that are divine for me. Like, that's a relationship that I, I want to make sure that I'm building strongly and, you know, imparting some form of legacy. We, we don't go through this <laughs> if we're not imparting some form of legacy, and you know, really listening to my spiritual guidance, that's the, that's the relationship that I would say has changed the most is my relationship to source, creator, God, universe, spirit, however you want to call it. Just this full trust and surrender to the knowing that I'm guided and wherever I end up or whatever I'm going through, because there's been more, um, that is for purpose and it's for meaning and it's for reason.
0: I love that. And I feel like to have that deep connection with the divine, it's a lot of self-love because there's this way that we really need to love ourselves and trust that that connection is real. And sometimes we need tangible proof for people like they don't believe it's real. Like, what is the thing that you tell people about building self-love and trusting that relationship to the divine is real and an actual, you can, it, you could see it and feel it in your life.
1: This is a, a common question that I get because it is so true, right? And I, I, I do get this one a lot too. Like, well, how do you know that the voices that you're hearing are divine? Right. Right. They could just be your own voice. And I'm like, well, I can promise you the one that is divinely guiding me, A, is really freaking positive. Always. It's a loving voice. And it's always guiding me outside my comfort zone. Right. It's pushing me beyond what I would normally be okay with. And that's how I know that it's the divine because my ego would absolutely be like, Oh, that's a bad idea. You shouldn't do that. This is like, what What are you thinking about? (laughs) Slow down. (laughs) This is, this isn't real. This isn't true. Um, but the ultimate way that I can say to, to actually begin the process of hearing the divine is doing gratitude and forgiveness right? The only way that we can get to a place of really allowing the divine in is when we can begin forgiving ourselves of everything that we think we have done wrong up until this moment and then to this day. Yeah. Right. Because if you think you're unworthy of it, then you, you can't access it. So mm-hmm. if you forgive everything and just be like, I deserve this love, I am yes. worthy of this love, then the divine is like, oh, thank gracious. Hallelujah. Here I've you go. I've been here the last <laughs> <Not> time. <bad." Yeah. laughs>
0: Yeah, I think that's such a a big a big thing to mention is a self-forgiveness because I know growing up I had this feeling of I was being punished by God. Like I had this big overwhelming like this my existence was punishment, which is why my childhood was difficult. All these things were difficult. It was like I did something bad. God mm. hates me. This is my punishment. I murdered tons of people in a past life and this is my yeah. this is my karma. <laughs> and and it's absolutely not true. It's so at least it, it was not true at all. And it took me so many years to realize that that oh my god, I'm not being punished. I'm punishing myself with these negative thoughts forms, and learning that forgiveness that you're mentioning. And I think so many people don't take that in consideration because it almost feels like too simplistic. Oh, forgive yourself, and people are like, oh yeah, yeah. And I'm like, no, you really, really work on forgiving yourself. And when you start diving deep into that emotion, you realize the tears and the, the pain that you've been carrying for so long when you start the actual process of forgiving yourself.
1: Absolutely. And, and for me, my, I was like baptized and confirmed Anglican, but I was so angry at the men of my life that I just turned my anger to God because to me that was masculine energy. And I was like, no, anything masculine is wrong. And it's, I don't want to, I don't want to love it.
0: True. I did. I was, yeah, I had that too. It's interesting how so many many humans have so many similar experiences. It's so like doing this podcast and talking to people. I'm just like, wow, everyone's pain is so similar. It always comes down to not feeling loved, not feeling appreciated, seen, validated. And we throw our anger at either people in our lives or God for creating us and being like, this is your fault and falling into that victim state which is so many of us have to go through and work our way out of.
1: Yep, yep. And it's it's like my anger was, um, you're not protecting me, mm-hmm. right? Like, can't, like I was behavioral in my own way, right? There were times when I stopped eating to see if my family would notice me, like notice me for a d- change. Like I need the love and support too. I can't just give, I want you to. So I would do these like, Really, like I would get, I started drinking and doing drugs to numb myself when I was 17. Don't you see? Can't you see? Won't you stop me? Can't you help me? And then same thing with, you know, God. I was like, God, if God would stop this, (laughs) God's not protecting me right now. Mm -hmm. Where are you? Right. And it's interesting because it's, it, we, you had talked about before we logged in this, like fall to your knees moment. Right. And those are so potent They really are because you have nothing left, but to feel and see God's presence in that moment.
0: Yeah, true. And I always want to help people not get to that point. Right. Some of us need to, (laughs) some of us, unfortunately need to, but not everyone needs to. I feel like, I feel like if I've gone through that level, I want to prevent you or anyone else from not having to go to that level of pain, you know, just because it's like, we don't need to, I could help you not get there or, Listen, you know, there's so many ways so we don't have to hit the rock bottom, though some of us, that's our, that's our destiny. Um, And it's painful without support. I think where I feel like God has been the biggest blessing in my life is providing me with angels in, in the form of friends and support and people that you don't even, I don't even realize how much, if I wouldn't even be where I am today, if they had not helped me in my darkest moments. And in the, in the moment when you're in these darkest moments, you're like, in this deep, deep pain, you're like, everything is terrible. But then there's this light, these beautiful people that come in, like little angels, and they're like, Hey, let me love you through this. And then when you get out of it, you're like, Wow, God loves me. Yeah. Yeah,
1: totally, totally. And when I'm saying fall on your knees, because even for me, these moments come in in simple ways, too. Like my husband and I moved across country, so our four kids are still in Canada in a different, like in Ontario, and we moved to Vancouver Island with the expectation that we were going to see them quite, quite frequently. Um, And we moved in September and then everything shut down. Yeah. And this, and I'm, I'm giving you an example of like how, but there's a willingness now to go there. Right. So like when I went through the grief of Christmas and not being with my kids for the first time, you know, that was another moment where I felt so sad. And so and like, the emotion of grief was the first time that I actually invited it in, like, uh, I was like, No, I actually want to form a a stronger relationship with you grief, I want to know, because to me, grief and praise are, are, you know, two sides of the same coin, if you, if you are, grieving something you're also praising it because you're missing it that deeply and that longingly and so to to feel that grief this Christmas of not being able to spend it in these traditions and with my kids the same way I always had was another moment of growth with me and of you know bringing myself closer to God and and just saying like God I'm so sad help me help me with these tears help me with these the, this loneliness and, and, you know, and it, t- it did, it brought me to places I'd never been, but it also, you know, once I allowed myself to fully surrender to that grief, it let me feel joy in a different way too. Right. Cause it just opens the spectrums of your emotions and feelings to, to more and more is a beautiful thing.
0: Yeah. It's I'm so, yeah, that's such a beautiful thing to mention because I think a lot of us, move away from negative emotions like we don't want to feel the pain but you're right it's like the the moment you start to dive into that pain and really start to investigate and allow it to wash through you then you experience the opposite so that's why i always say the deepest pain your deepest pain is your deepest joy because once you're able to go into that and get out get out on the other side it's just like whoa and your your breath and your bandwidth of emotional experiences keep expanding and expanding and expanding, which is important, especially if you're holding space for others, like you really need to have that bandwidth of emotion, so that when people come to you, you're able to hold space for them and have that level of deep compassion and empathy.
1: It's a journey, right? Like, holy crap, like even my capacity to hold and my my emotional intelligence five years ago when I'm telling you the story about going through the depression every year it gets deeper every you know step in the soul journey or the spiritual journey or the practice really it doesn't stop <laughs> it
0: doesn't Never.
1: people are like what do you mean like there's where like do does enlightenment not happen i'm like if you would like to go be a monk and devote your entire existence to you know, really the communication with God at the level of your third eye and, you know, your soul's mission is enlightenment. Yes, of course it can. But we didn't choose that by being human. We chose to come in and experience the gamut, all of it, every emotion, every feeling, even if you're like, oh, I've, I've looked at this thing. Maybe it's a, you know, a divorce of your parents or a childhood something. Or, and you're like, well, I thought I dealt with this already. Well, you're going to look at it again from a different perspective. From a higher perspective, but we're not done. We're not done. I mean, that's there's a point of beauty in that for me. I mean,
0: it's never done. I mean, I think otherwise life would be boring, boring, you know, if it just stopped, if you stopped growing. I mean, everything grows, plants continue to grow, everything continues to grow. And I think that's why life is so interesting. And I feel like we are in, we go into pain when we're not growing. How many times have you heard clients say, I feel stuck? Like that's Mm -hmm. like a big thing that people say because nobody truly likes to be stuck. Nobody likes to be constipated. These are like not things that feel good. Everyone wants the flow. And I think that's a natural part of being human. Like we want to grow. We want to just keep going and moving forward. That's
1: so true. I love when you say constipated. That makes me giggle (laughs)
0: because you've
1: seen my website where I say I work with. Uh, rebel unicorns and you know I, I have this analogy of the constipated unicorn <laughs> and the constipated unicorn is is exactly that someone who's stuck and just not letting anything you know even if right. anything to them so that's well funny. like
0: I'm glad that you brought up your work because now you're shifting into you shifted and you're working with entrepreneurs and business owners so how like where was that like where did you go from working with angels and energy work to now working with business owners
1: Well, my original community was working with moms who had children with mental illness. But when I leaned into that, that group, really what they wanted was to have soul careers and be able to stay at home and watch their children. So that was kind of like one of the first steps, because I always say clarity comes with movement. So you have to start working with what you know. And I knew moms with children with mental illness. And then the divine just kept shifting it. And so within like seven months, I started to work with spiritual entrepreneurs in their chakras because- when i had started writing my first book i Honestly, Corinne, it was the weirdest thing. I felt the day my third eye—I'm not my third eye, my, my throat chakra and my root chakra opened for the first time, since, like probably ever, <laughs> right? Because growing up around mental illness, I never spoke my truth, and my root chakra was a little bit hazy. Let's be real—a little bit like cluttered, a little bit slow. Um, and so when I was writing this book and deciding to to do this for me, it was like I felt a pop sensation in my throat and my root, and I was like, "What just happened?" <laughs> And it was shortly after that, that spirit was like, you can read chakras. And I was like, "Mm, you got the wrong human. I have no idea what a chakra is. I don't know what you're telling me to do. And they were like, no, you can read chakras. And I'm like, what does that mean? And they're like, just trust us. This is literally how almost the conversation went. And so I went to my Facebook and I was like, apparently I can read chakras. Anyone want me to uh, practice on them? So immediate download, I always teach this to my clients too. When you're getting like information from Spirit, it doesn't matter what anybody else in your life is saying, no offense, but like it could be a coach, a mentor or this or that. When you're getting direct downloads from Spirit, that is the fastest way for you to move from point A to point B, even if it makes zero sense to you right? So here it is. You can read chakras. I started to read chakras immediately, like within the, like on, oh, I mean, I pooped my pants when those four people raised their hands on that post. I was like, what am I going to do with this? information? I don't know what I'm doing. Trusted completely. And now I've been in hundreds of bodies. I've worked with hundreds of clients, supporting them in actually unpacking the experiences, the people, the events, the trauma, the emotions that are just actually bogging up the space in their energy bodies on each of the seven floors so that they can can be in a space of receiving what the divine is bringing them in whatever form. People are always like, well, what do you, what happens in the shocker business Academy? I'm like, Ooh, this is a fun game. It's like a crackerjack box. Because once you're clear, then whatever it is that is in your vortex will begin to pour in. Because if we were to ask every single human listening to your podcast right now, what it is that they desire, the answer would be different. We're not meant to receive the same things. So when you clear enough space in your chakras for the divine download that is in your vortex to make its way through your seven chakras where you're grounded into who you are and who you serve in your root chakra, it acts like a mirror. It's like a beacon. It's like a bat signal that goes back up and people all over the world are like, ding, 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 I have this problem. That's where I need to go. Right. (laughs) Because you are shining with your stardust. So that's the work I do now. (laughs) Sounds fun. (laughs) It's
0: boring when you come and play with me. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, let's get into some of the infinite love questions. Okay. Hey. So how do you use love in your work? It's the only work
1: that I use. <laughs> love is the answer, but I would absolutely say by helping my clients see the love in themselves. So I act as the mirror for them. Um, to be able to hold the vision that they might not be able to see until they rise themselves into that same place of seeing that love reflected back and being worthy
0: of receiving it. Okay, nice. How is your work used to serve humanity? Mm, I love this question.
1: I believe that having the information of your chakras, so bringing this information into the hearts and homes of Everyone on the on the planet will shift how we are able to really maneuver our own landscape energetically, so that we can be able to support ourselves, parent ourselves, guide ourselves, and we won't allow, you know, what's happening outside of us to shift us out of our soul's calling and our mission. Right. So we go. Yeah. I think that's an important thing. Like, I think every human individually, because I'm a cosmic rebel unicorn too, is like. Oh, you didn't take my rebel unicorn quiz. I am a podcast host. And I think that <laughs> I answer as if <laughs> my job is to change one human at a time, right? right. It's like a pebble in a pond. If we all do our own work on ourselves, then the whole pond changes if everybody's, you know, right. part of the same collective waters.
0: Absolutely. So wait, what are the different types of unicorns?
1: So we all have a vision and a purpose and a mission. So I call it our stardust. We're born with a piece of stardust in our hearts. And we are here to take the stardust and change the vibration of something on the planet. So the unicorn houses are divided, like Harry Potter, Hogwarts houses, uh, to support you in knowing where to place your direction. So a cosmic unicorn such as myself, we're here to shift the planet one human at a time. So trying to think of like changing the world, activism, we do it, but we do it differently. We do it by supporting each individual human, right? Then you have a catalyst unicorn who's here to actually be those frontline workers. They're here to change the vibration of the planet in the form of leadership. And so their directive energy goes into activism, changing the way businesses are run and inclusion, sales, marketing, like the the things that actually have like these frontline experiences, but doing it in a way that's aligned with who they are. You have the elementals, And the elementals are are potent because they're here to shift the vibration of the earth. They're connected to Gaia. They're here to the plants, to the trees, to the animals, to the waters, like that becomes their number one focus. So, you know, gardening, um, you know, they could be activists too and making sure that the areas of the earth that are sacred, stay sacred, supporting communities in that form. And then you have ancestral and ancestral unicorns are the rarest and the most potent in my opinion, because they're not only here to change the vibration of children. So creating legacy is, is really what they're here for. So they're coming in to leave the world different at a, at a really prominent level. So they're here to change school systems. They're here to change um, you know, how women are are working their businesses and working in money so that their children are supported so it's that when we know where to place our energy then it gives us the space to focus that energy in a direct way and not feel guilt shame or uh, you know any internal thoughts that we aren't doing enough you are doing exactly what you're here to do
0: i love that i probably am a
1: I guess it just came out like that. I would be like, but now I want to know a little bit, Corinne. I want to
0: know. I know. Cool. All right, let's see. So what does it mean to you to be a positive force of goodness in the world? To be myself, radically in love with myself. Nice. (laughs) I don't think people take don't realize the power of loving ourselves and what that truly means. And, and I think the most important part about loving yourself is loving your shadow parts, like mm-hmm. the parts that are shameful, that the parts that we kind of don't want other people to see and all of those things. I feel like once you're able to fully embrace those quote unquote negative aspects of yourself, there's so much compassion and empathy for others and for yourself. And I think it makes such a big difference. I noticed it made such a big difference in my life. I'm like, oh, wow.
1: I love you. I just want to tell you that oh like that is like one of the most important topics I think that the world needs to hear is that every part of you even the parts that you're been told are not like even the judgy part we all have a judgy part or I have a vulgar part like she wants to swear all the time (laughs) she's fucked And I love her. Right. There was a time and I I just got to show this that I uh, one New Year's resolution. I was like, I'm never going to swear again, because it makes me a bad professional woman and a bad parent. And it was really ridiculous, because I was trying to adhere to a societal expectation that wasn't true. And it takes you out of alignment with yourself, right? The right people. So I had to learn to love my
0: Yeah. I had an ex that didn't like me swearing. And I didn't even realize I swear that much because I'm from New York and New Yorkers, we just (laughs) folks all the time. It's like breathing. You just be like, yeah, F that, F that. And after a while, I was like, oh my God, this is not comfortable. Like, I mean, if it's naturally comes out, it comes out. But I was just like, you're restricting me. (laughs) And it was just like, slowly and slowly, I was starting to see like, wow, like this is a part of me, like cursing is a part of me. Like I'm conscious of it, but sometimes it comes out and I think that's okay. I mean, it's-
1: If I'm passionate, if I'm really excited, yeah. then it comes out even more because it's just like the the intensity of how I work. Right. And, it.
0: and there's sometimes there's no other word for it. No, it's so true. It's like, this is it. This is what it is. And thank you for your love. And I love you too. I appreciate oh. you saying that. That's very sweet. It's something that I've been- passionate about is like loving those dark parts of myself because it's like all these years you know you don't want to recognize those parts and I feel like the biggest reason why it's important to do it's for yourself but also for others so the parts of me that I find annoying there's almost always somebody that I, it's in my life that I find so annoying I'm like why are they so annoying and then I realize, they're they're annoying because there's something in me that's annoying that I don't want to recognize. So that I'm projecting it on this other person. And then once you start to realize that you're like, Oh, yeah, this is all me. <laughs> this is all me. And then once I was able to work through it, then the person doesn't seem so annoying anymore. They're just like, Oh, okay, they're just themselves
1: or that's whatever. But it's fair.
0: a big, it's a big thing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. That one took me a few years on my spiritual journey to get.
0: Yes. For those listening,
1: that was oh, not the gosh. first trip I took. Like that wasn't the first step in my, in my journey.
0: <laughs> no, it, it takes, it takes a while. Um, it definitely takes a while, but you know, it's every day. And, it, and it's like never ending every day. You just love yourself more and more and more. Yep. So, yep. so what do you love most about your life currently?
1: So you, you're going to find this funny. Cause we talked about this. My name wasn't always Avalon Starlight. Um, but it was told to me a year and a half ago that my name was Avalon. And I was like, I, spirit, I cannot call myself Avalon. That is an Island where the magical priestesses were. I can't be an Island. And it took me a year and a half. And then I was having a pelvic massage done and spirit was beside me. I was like, Hey, do you remember when you tell people to hear a download from us and to take immediate action? And I was like, Oh yeah. Are you sure I have and so I changed my name. Immediately that day when I got the reminder um, and Avalon Starlight is of, of the earth and of the sky as above, so below. And I was a portal. And part of that, what I love is that I got guided to live in a place called Vancouver Island. It's the only like the warmest temperature in Canada. But if I were to like say that the island of Avalon existed today in 2021, it would be Vancouver Island. Wow! And so the access to energy, the access to the thinness of the fairy realm, the access to spirituality and community, and just like the mists, I went to this place called Cluelit, and like literally the mists came in, and I was like, God, I'm literally on <laughs> the island of Avalon right now. <laughs> and so that is my favorite part. I love living here and being able to connect so deeply to my ancestors and my roots and this energy. And it's just potent medicine for where I am in my life right now.
0: Sounds lovely. It's really nice. Everybody should come visit. (laughs) (laughs) How do you feel you receive love?
1: This is my work in progress right now. This one, it's easier to give than it is to receive. Uh It really Um, is. So it, it's a con- I'm actually conscious, So I had separated with my husband two months ago um, and we are working on dating right now. And so I'm in this active action of receiving. And to me, that looks like just having the awareness of when I start to close and pull away because I had a life where uh, love was conditional. I'm starting to recognize how I protect myself from feeling, even if it's not true that love has a condition to it. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's being present. It's when I want to pull back, leaning in it's softening it's surrendering it's touching it's actually giving, right? Because giving and receiving is the same. So when I give my husband more love, I'm receiving more love. So it's tenderness that's what it looks like for me right now, but it's being very aware of when I slowly pull back, pull back and instead leaning forward Mm -hmm. and I'm realizing it's really in the giving too, Mm -hmm. but it's giving from a space of just unabashed, authentic, true love, no agenda, no expectation, no attachment, no, anything and when you are in that space it's impossible not to receive at that level too right yeah it's
0: beautiful when do you feel the most love
1: right now um there's two when i'm in speaking to god or goddess so in my meditations there's nothing but pure love in those moments um and it's beautiful because it's me right that's the reflection of yourself from the divine. Right. So how can you not loving yourself when the divine sees you as pure love, light, perfection? You're like, oh, I am these things.
0: Yeah.
1: That's one. And honestly, the way my husband has always looked at me has been the reflection of the truth of love for me as well. So it's not him, but it's his reflection of my love for me coming back to me. And we can see that in their eyes. And it's just the openness to be deserving and worthy to say I'm deserving and worthy of that much love from somebody.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And last question, which is my favorite question. Where has love created a miracle in your life? I would say love created a
1: miracle in my life. And I say this to my son every day. He is my miracle. He has been the hardest thing I've ever done and the greatest lesson. And if it weren't for him, I wouldn't be where I am today. And so he is my miracle. He is, see, I told you I would cry at some point. It's because of the hardships and what we went through that I can stand here and support my community and do the work that I do. And so I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful to him in in what he's brought to my life.
0: Mm, that's beautiful I you know I think it's so important for people once they're able to go through hardship, or once they're in hardship to look if they can to see the gifts that it's bringing to your life because we all go through pain and suffering but they're gifts that we acquire through that process as well so it's beautiful thank you So how do people find you? Like, how do people work with you? Do you work with clients, groups, one-to-ones? Like, tell us about your work and how you would love people to connect with you.
1: Yeah, so people can reach me at Avalon Starlight Coaching um, on Instagram and uh, Facebook, I'm still in my birth name. It's gonna take me the rest of this year to turn everything over. So my website is TamaraArnold.ca. Um, but everywhere else, you just look up Avalon Starlight. And because that's a name no one else has, it's pretty easy to follow the breadcrumbs to that. I'm actually relaunching Chakra Business today I was writing an email today. One of the things that I've had a most profound realization over, Corinne, is that I have been in this entrepreneurial almost like... Uh, it's been the weirdest thing to experience, like getting into the entrepreneurial world. And then they're like, you have to do this and you have to do this and you have to scale and you have to build and you have to do all these things in order to be successful. And this is what the model looks like. And I totally did. I mean, I have worked high end, I have done front and back end models, I've done everything, sell from stage. And I've just come back in the last three months to the truth of why I started this business. And I've just brought back all my original pricings from four years ago, because accessibility is absolute for me, being able to support everyone and anyone, wherever they are in their journey so that they can begin the process of like actually working within their energy. Mm -hmm. And so... All you have to do is message me if you want more in- information. My signature program is the Chakra Business Academy, which is building a business that sets your soul on fire from the inside out.
0: I love that. That's beautiful. It's 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 like, there's so many ways to build businesses and I feel like I go through that too where it's like you should do this, you should do this and da da da, da. and I'm like sometimes I'm just like I just want to like be a a leaf in the water and let God just like take me where I need to go <laughs> and, I, and trust that the clients will come the money will come and I'll be able to share my gifts and not stress out about how to's and all of that so that's been my mantra it is just surrender because otherwise everyone's like you should do this it's like so much so much chatter oh, noise, so much chatter mm-hmm. yeah
1: It's in the silence. So it was in the silence when my husband and I weren't together and I was alone, alone for the first time in my life, like literally alone, alone, no kids. It's COVID. I hadn't had my husband with me. I mean, I've been a mom since I was 20. I literally have not been alone, alone my whole life. Wow. And then boom, I was alone, alone. And that really, again, in that silence, you get so much clarity when you can just be in communion to God. I mean, there was another wave of grief there too, right? There was a lot of like crying and where do I go for support and then I was like oh my god 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 God, please and uh he's always there and oh, so yeah. is she, right like we're never alone and that's when the guidance in the and that's when it was like a clarity rod to my soul was like no 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 you're meant to be in the hearts and homes you're supposed to impact people all over the world like you've forgotten it's not about much you make it's about how many people you impact and i was like right (laughs) thank you (laughs) that is that's more important to me the money comes when we are willing to be so authentically real
0: with who we are and what we're here to do and so so the
1: last couple months have been a journey corinne more
0: of the journey right? right yeah um, there's a woman that has a podcast and I think it's called purpose, um, passion over purpose. So purpose over money, like essentially, and I, and I always feel like it's um, love over money, like mm-hmm. following your love, following your heart's desire, the money will come like it's not so having shifting the focus around that has made it Well, place. and
1: I just want to say this cuz I think that it's a beautiful thing. Some people are here meant to focus on money. Some some people money is a driving force for their service and they can create really powerful containers. Right. I worked with a high-end coach um, who I I paid six figures to work with and she was exactly who I needed to bring me into places I didn't know that money was a catalyst for transformation, but she is also money driven. Like that is what drives her to be in service. And I think that there's those of us that have freedom, which is mine, which is like, I want to be free to spend time with my kids and the world and do all of that. And then I believe that some people are service, like they are meant to give. They love spending all day long, like helping everybody else. And that can be be their significance in their service. So I think that money is a powerful transformational tool and but it's not my driving force. yeah
0: but her that woman you're mentioning it's still love because she loves that yeah oh yeah you know what i mean yeah yeah yeah
1: totally 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 i just want money like you can be driven by money i just think you're like i think that that's a wonderful Mm -hmm. thing as well that was just me
0: wanting to share that Well, thank you for sharing i love money so yeah money's going i do love place. money and then, like i love it makes the world easier for sure it provides lots of comfort and um and i'm, I'm always appreciative of every dollar i receive and i thank you god oh everyone i
1: had somebody yeah. i have these intention card decks and i don't promote them and somebody bought an intention card deck two days ago from my website and i was like oh, that $35 is the most beautiful $35 because they would have had to have found that. And the, the blessing for that is the same as, as a one-on-one client, as a, as a group coaching client, as
0: anybody. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and if, and I feel like for me, it facilitates me sharing my gifts. So I'm mm-hmm. like, Oh, I could share my gifts. Cause I, my rent's paid. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's like, yes. So it's a really sure. wonderful thing. Yeah. Well, this has been a beautiful conversation. Thank you so much, Avalon, for being here. I so appreciate you and the work that you're doing in the world. And I love your unique voice and that you're sharing. And I think it's really special and amazing.
1: Thank you so much for having me and for sharing me with your listeners.
0: Cool. Well, have a beautiful day. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and tune in on Tuesdays for new episodes. For more information about me, please follow me on Instagram at Corinne Jcamara and my website karincamara.com, sending you lots of infinite love.